Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Cosmic Matrix podcast. This is our first episode in our, with our new podcast, hosted by yours truly, Bernhard Gunther, and my beautiful and wonderful partner, Laura Matsu. Uh, before we go into our first episode, I want to just introduce ourselves a bit more to the audience. Again, my name is Bernhard Gunther, and I have a website called Piercing the Veil of Reality, Uh, which you can find at veilofreality.com. I'm a writer and also a holistic coach, and I host retreats, webinars, and workshops. And the topics I write about and explore on my website um, range really from spirituality to esotericism, self-work, psychological self-work, esoteric self-work, the process of embodiment, to bigger picture topics relating to the matrix control system, hyperdimensional realities, the occult, uh, various conspiracy topics in light of the time of transition we are in and from a bigger picture perspective in regards to soul evolution, soul individualization, the path towards awakening. Um, Laura and I had the amazing idea to um, start this podcast because we found ourselves that we really resonate uh, about many topics in the same way and we have done similar work in our own regard. And uh, yeah, Laura, she also has a website with her writings. Yeah, my website is lauramatsu.com. Um, I've been a writer for a very long time. Uh, ever since I can remember or write. But uh, recently, the past, I guess, six, seven years, I've been writing about more spiritual topics. And I'm a yoga and meditation teacher and a holistic coach. So I write about my insights that I have um, over the course of my own journey. And yeah, that's about it. I also wrote a book in 2013 or 2014. It's a metaphysical science fiction book. And Yeah, that sums up my own work. Yeah, so what we also wanted to announce before we get into our first episode is we have actually two amazing events coming up this year. There's one retreat we'll be both hosting together in Peru, the time of transition retreat, and that is June 3rd until the 9th. Uh, in the high jungle of Peru, it's a beautiful space and the eco village. I've hosted retreats at that place there before. And this is, this retreat is really about deeper inner work and we'll be offering various workshops and talks from the individual process of awakening and to the bigger picture. We will talk also about relationships relating and various other um, topics we'll share together and discuss. But most importantly, we also dive deeper into The inner process, the embodiment process in practical terms, we'll be offering yoga classes, meditation, Qigong classes, various other embodiment practices, and we'll be doing beautiful hikes in the jungle and all of that. So it's a pretty extensive program. Um, if you want to hear more about it, just please go to my website, veilofreality.com, and click under the event uh, menu to go to the time of transition retreat. So again, that's happening June 3rd and until the, uh, June 9th. And then we have another event coming up in September of 2019. And that will be very an, an amazing cruise actually off the Croatian coast in the Adriatic, Adriatic Sea in the Mediterranean. And that's September 7th to the 14th. Uh, this event is actually organized by uh, the Heaven to Earth organization. They contacted me last year. We're 
inspired by my work and created this cruise around my work. I actually call it the Piercing the Veil of Reality cruise, but it's not a big, you know, mainstream cruise. It's actually a private yacht they rent. And there are the maximum of 30 participants and past uh, featured speakers of this cruise also uh, included Graham Hancock, for example. So I'm really honored to be invited there. And I'll be giving their talks and lectures and workshops as well. And Laura will also be teaching yoga and meditation. And that's more a social event. It's a bit more comfortable, definitely, than uh, the uh, retreat in the jungle. Both are very different. Uh, you know, on, in, in Peru, we're going definitely more into the inner process. And and it's very exclusive, by the way, also for only for nine people, the retreat in Peru. So we have more time for individual attention. And the cruise is for 30 people, and it's a beautiful social event. But in both cases, it's great to bring people uh, together from all over the world, connect, socialize, and share and talk about these topics together. So with that being said, um, let's dive into our first episode. Yeah, so our first episode is going to be about discernment in relationships, and we're just going to go into the different types of relationships you can get into, uh, from conscious relationships, matrix relationships, karmic relationships, and just share some of our own ideas and experiences about the topic. I know this is a really big topic for a lot of people, so, and I know my own learning process has been through relationships much of it i think that it's so there's only so much we can do on our own and it's not necessarily even romantic relationships we're referring to but we need to relate to other people in order to see where we're at and that's where the most difficult work comes in i think it's very easy to take our spiritual journey on our own and literally hide in a cave i know i've actually done that but um but the, there's only so much work we can do on, the, on our own in that sense we can go deep inside ourselves, find out more about what our patterns are, but we really um, need other people to trigger us in order to cause a deeper awakening. And I think the idea that we are all one is very, like people like to say that, but in order to really be as one, we also have to see other people as reflections of us and use that as a way to learn about ourselves. So yeah, let's just get right into the topic. So first, I think we want to just outline some different types of relationships you can have. And I think we're going to start with the most common one, which is what what we refer to as matrix-based relationships. So in my own definition, these relationships are often codependent. It's like, I'll do this for you, and you'll do this for me. And it's about Basically, people have made this conscious agreement to fulfill each other's needs. And these relationships I've found are often, often go sour as soon as one of the person feels like the other person isn't fulfilling the needs that they've unconsciously agreed or maybe even consciously agreed to fulfill in the other person. So, um, yeah, any, any experience? I know I've been in, like, I've, I mean, before 2012, I would say, even though they had a deeper soul bond, but most of my relationships were based out of like kind of this matrix conditioning. How about you? Yeah. I mean, like you just said, generally speaking, I also see there are two kinds of relationships, quote unquote, matrix based relationships or quote unquote, conscious relationships. We can talk about the word conscious uh, at some point anyway. 
But the difference for me is matrix-based relation, relationships. And by the way, there's no judgment. It's no negative. It's not about one is inferior to the other or there's some negative judgment. I feel it's just, you know, as I've written in my work as well, relationships take on a whole new level if somebody is sincerely engaged in seeking truth and the awakening process and wanting to know him or herself, the true self, and engage in the required work as opposed to just living in the world and entertaining oneself and not really questioning anything but going along with the social program, so to speak. Right? And the big difference for me is, like you mentioned, matrix-based relationships are just like, you know, mostly unconsciously codependent based on like, okay, if you fulfill this need, I fulfill this. And based on desires that are actually programs, biological programs, right? Uh, based on reproduction and creating a family, nothing wrong with that. But sometimes these desires can be just very mechanically and socially conditioned. And then they come, you know, most often relationships happen on a level of just mutual interest and hobbies and entertainment, you know, and it's more super, it's more a bond of personality rather than a deeper soul bond or emotional bond or something of a deeper foundation. Yeah. And I feel it's most of the time, if you're in a relationship um, where you haven't really taken, taken the time to truly explore yourself and find out who you are, this is just the default relationship you're going to get into. Like you go out to movies and you go out to dinner and you, and you're kind of just interacting with each other from false self to false self. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that the people haven't actually taken time to develop themselves and to find out who they are. And then these relationships I've noticed just often fall apart when one person wants to go deeper and has a crisis of identity and they're, and they suddenly want to explore deeper things about themselves. Usually a major trauma can can inspire this, like a big loss or an accident or something. And then all the illusions that they've built their life on can quickly fall apart because that's exactly, it was built on an illusion to begin with and that can be very hard. And there's nothing, and, and, and like, as you said, there's nothing wrong with people being in these types of relationships because everybody has a certain point that they need to develop by. And these relationships, even if they're mostly run unconsciously, are still going to serve the person lessons about themselves, um, regardless. Like, so, um, I think in that way, in that way, even a matrix relationship can, can be healing. But I've just found in my own experiences that if both people aren't growth orientated, then the healing can be extremely difficult and take a very long time as well because it's they're they're not willing to like go right into the darkness of the relationship you're you're mostly just kind of finding ways to either avoid it or kind of uh avoid it or or just figure out patterns to kind of uh to prop up the false sense of relationship if that makes sense yeah, and as you mentioned, we also I want to make clear that it's not about judging what is a right relationship, what is wrong relationship in this sense. It's more about discernment in relationships and what they are based on. Because in the end, it's about, as you mentioned, about the individual. And so many aspects come into that, you know, from uh, level of being, the soul uh, level, you know, past lives, karmic uh, lessons and all of that, uh, soul lessons, you know, which are different for each of us, literally. So again, there is no judgment. And, you know, I feel to be able to engage in a more conscious relationships, I mean, it's kind of ironic because I can see in my own life, um, 
you know, in the past, you know, I've mostly engaged very uh, mechanically in relationships based on my own programming, wound bonding, and all of that, romantic projections, to, you know, rather than seeing the person for who she truly is. You know, you could say that I wasn't very discerning, but at the same time, these were very important lessons. If I would learn the lesson, apply them, and take self-responsibility, right? Um, but, you know, I've also noticed, as you mentioned, like, because also when I work with a, lot, um, with a lot of people that in a relationship, one person, quote unquote, wakes up, starts to question the world, gets into these topics, you know, which I mentioned before, um, question their belief system, questions uh, the status quo and official culture, and the partner is not on, you know, that path, so to speak, or is not questioning, then it's already like uh, there's a misalignment. And if, you know, not both partners are engaged in the same work, so to speak, which by the way, it doesn't mean that both have to do believe in exactly the same exactly the same things so or do the same things. Everybody has still to honor their on each other's individuality and their own process. But it's like the saying goes. Um, I got this quote from the author of um, The Little Prince, and he said that love is not necessarily looking into each other's eyes, but looking into the same direction, have the same intention, this collinearity, this deeper foundation in life right, with the same sincerity. And that can open up the pathway to a more conscious relationship where the relationship becomes also a sacred container, like an alchemical process that can uh, help both people people evolve. Because as you mentioned at the beginning, there's only so much self-work we can do our own. And having said that, that's I think we need to talk about that as well. It's very important, you know, before engaging in, in a more conscious relationship, also the necessity to um, find peace and solitude to be able to be alone, right? And without, you know, a lot of people out there tend to jump from relationship to relationship or try to get fulfilled by another person, right? So it's the ability to thrive in solitude and find your own calling, your own soul purpose uh, without desperately looking for a partner. And also even with the term like conscious relationship, like there's no such thing as if, well, not that I've seen a fully conscious relationship because we're mostly guided through our own journey for unconscious reasons to make the darkness conscious. However, we can make a conscious relationship choice. So rather than just being attracted to someone instantaneously and not knowing why we're attracted to them and it's very sudden and compulsive, we can make the conscious choice being like, I feel ready. I feel at a place of inner security to step into a relationship and I know that I'm not doing it to fill some void inside myself and you feel complete within your own being and you also feel complete with or without a relationship. I think that's really a prerequisite for being able to have a conscious relationship is you, you know, like you would like one, but you know, you don't really like, quote unquote, need one. I think it's when you really feel like you need another person, then that can indicate a deeper void that needs to be uh, addressed before you can step into a conscious relationship. Yeah. And on that note, I can also see in my own life, maybe some people in the audience and listeners can relate to that. You know, on part of us, everyone on some level, I feel yearns, you know, the ultimate, the perfect partner, right? This ideal, we have the romance, the Hollywood romance, which also is something that has done a lot of damage to relationships, those kind of Hollywood romantic expectations. But I've also noticed looking back, you know, that 
many times I felt and envisioned like a partner who like a quote unquote conscious relationship and we would have this amazing process and soul bond together. But truth to be told back then, I wasn't truly ready for a relationship like that. I put it like outside myself and I, I realized, you know, through painful lessons most often that I need to become that which I want to be with, <laughs> right? To really become conscious myself, to really engage in this process sincerely myself, to engage, to find my own sole purpose and alignment of divine and make really my relationship to the divine, to spirit, the most important relationship. And I also found once I've let go of trying to find the perfect partner and came, found peace within myself in solitude, you know, so consciously at one point stopped engaging in relationships after uh, some very difficult relationships that I've written about, which also ties into the topic of the love, bite and dark side of Cupid. I was single for four years and even, uh, yeah, most of that time I was celibate as well and really rejected any like mechanical ways of engaging in my relationship patterns as I used to in the past and really, you know, confront myself and deal with difficult emotions without um, running away from them, without trying to use other people to fill a hole in myself or use others for my needs. And then in this process, you know, it's almost like once you let it go and really find the kingdom within, then, you know, magic opens up in life and the right people come into your life. Not only romantic relationships, but relationships that nurture you, that, where you feel truly seen or you are seen because you see yourself, right? You uh, relate more to an embodied level. The more uh, empathy, compassion you have for yourself, the more you're sensitive with yourself, the more you can give it to another person and that is, you know, reflected then back to you. And then the right relationship will appear when the time is ready. Yeah, and even reflecting back to what you said about searching for the perfect partner, I definitely did that too. And it was interesting, in my search for the perfect partner, I realized all the qualities I was externally projecting outwards were actually keys to what I needed to develop within myself. So all the idealizations that I was searching for externally were actually qualities which I either had in myself and was unwilling to recognize, or I needed to develop in myself in order to, I guess, become a better partner myself. And then in that way, I could find someone who met me at that level of being as well. And you also mentioned how like, you know, you had to go through these difficult relationships to, to get to that point as well. I think that many people go through that. It's like they still think that somehow someone can just fill in all these parts of themselves that they're not that they're not willing to face. And I think when we still kind of are holding on to that vision, and we haven't really completely let go this idea that someone outside of us can fix us, or we can save someone else. Um, sometimes it's reversed. Uh, we need to go through those difficult relationships, those like karmic relationships, before we really reach a point and we're like, wow, that's it. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do everything I can to figure out what it is that's in me that's attracting the same pattern over and over again. And I know in the, my own experience, a lot of my karmic relationships were really like, if you looked at it from a basic psychological level, it was really just patterns I learned from my my parents' way of relating. Like my parents are divorced; they definitely didn't have a um, an amicable, amicable amicable divorce. And if you look, it's just me trying to resolve those original tra childhood traumas. As simple as it sounded, like 
I would get really deep in my yoga and meditation practice and feel so much more open to different types of people. But without doing that basic psychological work on my childhood patterns of relating and my attachment patterns, I was I was like, maybe I maybe felt better and I felt more open, but I found myself repeating the same, I guess, I wouldn't call them mistakes, but just patterns over and over again, being attracted to the same emotionally unavailable people. So I think it's a real necessity too to even go through these karmic relationships as long as you really end up reaching the point where it gets so painful and you're so sick of it that you're like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And it, and then that's the point when you take total self-responsibility rather than blaming like, you know, like women are all this way or men are all this way and just keep projecting that forward being like, no, it's there's all sorts of different types in the people in the world. And out of all those types of people, I seem to be attracted to the same type of person. And why is that? And what is it in me that's perpetuating this pattern? Yeah, that's very important, the self-responsibility and not getting into the blame victim trap. And I can relate to some of what you just shared. In my past, I also realized I had deep ingrained unconscious beliefs that really kept me from engaging in a fulfilling relationship. One of these beliefs was I was dealing with a lot of guilt and shame programming, and I discovered that I had an unconscious belief that I felt guilty to be happy, right? There was something like, you know, when something good would happen or things were going well in my life, I would right away question it. This is too good to be true. That, you know, that's, you know, it can't last long and all of that. And even unconsciously, I would then even uh, restrict myself or block myself from finding more fulfillment in relationships. And similarly, also being attracted uh, to women, very wounded women, which also reflected my own childhood wounding, which we're all dealing with to varying degrees, right? Um None of us are perfect because we're not enlightened. All of us are wounded, have issues, and there's basic, you know, childhood psychology, childhood wounding. We all are wounded to varying degrees. And then that obviously plays itself out in relationship and most often it only actually comes out in relationship, right? And, you know, after, you know, all the work I've done on myself and spending time by myself and going through my own lessons of relationships in the past, and I remember when you and I connected, it was very interesting because it was also for the first time, um, it really, it didn't entail at the beginning this, you know, this crazy um, romantic emotional bliss that I used to maybe experience in the past when I connected with somebody, I'm like, oh my God, you know, and and in the past would produce this idealist or project this idealized image onto that woman. And with you, I mean, for once we connected first on the internet, we started messaging, right? And I was just drawn to your writings and we just conversed, got got to know each other, but it was very sober and grounded in a sense. And there was a record, it was more of a recognition and there was an attraction, right? But that this overblown, like, oh my God, you know, there she is and this is, this is it. And it built itself up over time, right? When we got to know each other and shared with each other, we started Skyping and talking and then... You know, um, then it started to build up the deeper recognition, the deeper attraction, but it was again, not just romantically, there's something deeper happened there. And, um, I think that's, that's, you know, what I also realized, and that's actually also basic psychology. The more we have this romantic emotional bliss at the beginning of a relationship, that's a big sign that projections are acting up. 
And then that also reminds me too, I realize that um, as my own level of being raised where I was able to just feel love for no reason as well. And it just was a, it was a common occurrence in my state of being, not to say I always felt that way, but I find that, you know, in the periods where there was a lot of romantic projection going on, even though I was like, you know, engaging in my spiritual practice and I had really good moments there still was a huge gap between how I felt with, with when I created these romantic projections to how my normal state of being was. And I think that it's really in order to have that sober, that sober uh, look at when you meet someone, you also have to feel pretty good in your life generally. Like not to say that you have to feel amazing all the time, but getting into a relationship when you're like a really deep depression or you're really going through stuff, it's just not it's not the best time to go through it. Like you really need to just have some sort of flow going in your life and being able to appreciate small moments in your life so that when someone comes along, like it's not this huge difference in, in, that not to say that they're not going to change your life, but it's not this huge, <clears throat> uh, energetic difference that they make in your life. Like you feel solid in your life. You have things in your life that make you happy. You have a sense of purpose. And so when someone comes along, like you're also not, you're not going to just give that away just for, just for, to make your life all about them. It's like you already kind of are grounded in your own being and you know how to make yourself happy and you know how to feel love. So I think also a lot of people when they don't know how to feel love in their everyday life, like just platonically for no reason, then they're really feeling like they're missing love. So they feel like they need a person in order to feel love. But love is just really a state of being. And you can, once you kind of get comfortable with that frequency, like you find love literally anywhere in your life. You're not just looking for it in a person. Yes, exactly. That That's a very important point that love is not necessarily an emotion or this feeling of, feeling high all the time on the, on this on this blissful emotion but the state of being and uh, you know that's really the path towards a more fulfilling or conscious relationship to establish that sense of being or that level of being within yourself through your own practice through working through your stuff on the basic psychological level but also on a spiritual level you know finding the kingdom within the divine within and then you know your fulfillment your joy your purpose especially doesn't depend on anything out there anyone out there and you said something very important i think it's it's very crucial to point out that if i feel one of the requisites before entering in, in a conscious or relationship or divine relationship or whatever people we want to define it as is to have found your place in the world your own connected to your own soul purpose what you're here to do something that gives you passion something really excites you that is unique to you and because I see a lot of people, and myself included, I'm not taking myself out of the equation here, when we don't have that, haven't found that when we consciously or unconsciously look at to find it through other people, through a relationship. And I see a lot of people, uh, and again, that happened in the past uh, my, for myself, that I got um, lost in a relationship. I lost myself in it. I almost got me off my path, right? Because... Um, I made myself too dependent on another partner. It's very, it was codependent. And I think the majority of a lot of relationships are codependent without people even recognizing them as such. All right. So it's really important to find your own center, your own purpose and your own flow. And then, you know, it is all about compatibility as well. You know, there's, it's, it's especially in this day and age with relationships, you know, 
obviously there's so much relationship advice and what people should do or shouldn't do. And, you know, we talk about relationships right now, but there's also something to be said about the so-called X factor, right? And that X factor either it fits or doesn't fit. And that recognition comes from a deeper place of knowledge, a deeper space of being, which you can only have if you have already done a certain amount of work on yourself and established like healthy self-confidence, healthy self-love, you know, trust in the divine and that you're not desperately looking anymore. I think a lot of, you know, it's a red flag if you're desperately looking for relationships and, you know, and that's mostly on your mind, then, you know, that can only, you know, out of my experience anyway, attract people that actually um, do not bring what you would hope for. They can still be deep learning experiences, but can you get also get into entanglements that actually can keep you or distract you from your deeper purpose, right? And I've known quite a few cases where, you know, you stick with the, with that person for a long time, maybe children get involved all of a sudden. And, but you know, over time it just shows itself that there was a relationship completely based on illusions on personality match, but not match on essence. And this reminds me of something good you've said in terms of relationship also with regards to quote unquote, let's say matrix relationships. Most people just fall in love with, with the personality with each other's personality, their mask, but the essence level, as Gurdjieff said, some, they hate each other. So it, it, there's always this, this friction and, and impossible compatibility. There's no compatibility on a deeper level, right? But the point is really to have this match on an essence level on your true being. And that you can only find if you do the work on yourself to remove everything that's in the way, all the programs, wounding and all of that in order to connect to your true self. That doesn't imply that we have to obviously be completely enlightened or awake or completely healed to be able to engage in such a relationship or attract a partner like this. But, you know, there, there's, it's a required foundation. Yeah, and, and what you said about the essence too, I do, I've obviously had relationships where on a personality level we matched, but then when I saw their essence, I was just truly disturbed. And it wasn't because they were a bad person, I realized looking back, not at all. It was that I wasn't, I wasn't appreciative of the deeper soul nature of other people because I hadn't recognized that in myself. So when I saw that come out, I responded to it in the same way that I was responding to the essence of my own soul. Like I just wanted to suppress it and not look at it. And I think it's also, you know, like these days as well, we have this like illusion of choice when you talk, especially when you talk about how there has to be this X factor. Like we, especially with Tinder these days, like that even the act of Tinder, you're like swiping yes and no through people. And there's a desperation behind it. You're like just desperately kind of flipping through all these different faces, looking for the right person. And it gives us this illusion that there's a lot of people out there. But I I, I truly feel I mean, there's lots of people that we could like be acquaintances and have a good conversation with. But I mean, to truly unite your life with another person, there's so many different levels of compatibility that come into play in order to in order to make that harmonious. That Although we think that we have a lot of different partners out there who could be compatible with us, and maybe they could on a really basic level, on a deeper level, there's only going to be like one or two people or maybe a couple, a few if you're lucky, who you're going to spend a really long period of life of your life with. And even if, even when I reflect back on my deeper friendships, like, you know, I've met so many people over the course of my life. I've lived in so many different places and really like I could count the deeper friendships I've had on one hand. Um, and, 
And that's not, that's only a few people who I've really been able to maintain that bond with over a period of longer than 15 years. And I know, I know on a soul level how rare that is to have that deeper connection with people. And even on, on a relationship level, I think that, that, uh, the possibilities of different partners gets even, gets even, uh, smaller. Yeah. I mean, that also reminds me of, you know, again, going to matrix based relationships or any types of relationship. It's also important to understand that there's no judgment in any relationship because sometimes there's, again, as I said earlier, so many things come into your equation we are simply not aware of, right? The mind can try to analyze, but as you mentioned, with the illusion of choice, I think that also relates not only to what we see nowadays with this, like, you know, way more access to or ability to contact people to see people on social media and all of that and you know and almost like these all these dating sites which seems like a meat market no disrespect but you know it is it it you know it's 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 just feats of the desperation of people right it's kind of ironic in nowadays to do in this day and age a lot has changed as well right there's more it seems to be more people who are single than in relationship and that has its purpose as well because more people are questioning but even this uh, technological age of social media we're more connected but more isolated at the same time we spend more time in front of the screen and our smartphones than in person and all of that comes into play but what i also want to point out with god's illusion of choice is that i think the ego likes to be in control and and believe to be uh, have a choice and relationship but most often uh, like you mentioned at the beginning, like there's such a thing as a fully conscious relationship, but a lot of based on unconscious behaviors and attractions, which are not necessarily bad. And there's also divine will and bringing two people together for a certain purpose, which is also beyond your control. I even see this, you know, you and I, we talked about this at some point when we really felt we really want to commit to this relationship, which by the way, is also an important point, the hundred percent commitment. And, um, and we both talked about it that we both felt there's, it's not even our choice. It's something that needs to happen, needs to be done. This is not only about us, but from, for, you know, for a bigger purpose here. Not to say that we are here like special or anything that, but there's something and a higher force at work here from a positive perspective. And we also were never in the illusion that, oh, this is beautiful. We're going to be in complete harmony. And we have this amazing connection, especially this, this emotional connection, security and very a strong psychic connection. You know, and this X factor I've never experienced for anyone before and I'm extremely grateful for that. But that doesn't imply that stuff is not going to come up, right? You know, especially at the beginning, stuff was coming up between us, and, you know, and it needed to come up because as you said as well, like a lot of stuff I realized in my inner work and my, especially when I was alone, I came to a place I realized I cannot do this work on my own anymore. Like, you know, because I have my own blind spots and things, and a lot of stuff just comes, reveals itself, gets triggered in relationship for that purpose. And, you know, it's twofold. Some people are extreme. They jump from relationship to relationship, never processing the past relationship and always look for fulfillment outside. And the other people, they can, they can get so hurt or scarred, myself included, remove themselves completely from relationship and became, become relationship phobic, right? With what you mentioned, even general resentment against women or men and falling to blame victim and what i with, with what i've been through i was very actually scared to engage in the relationship i didn't want to get hurt anymore right we have to have empathy for that as well so all these fears came up and i needed to kind of like let this go as well and trust the divine and in that sense um that as long as i'm sincere in my process 
and don't lose myself, it all uh, has a teaching function and, and will help move us forward. Now, even with us, sometimes stuff is coming up in a relationship, some little triggers, sometimes more major triggers. We get in conflicts, arguments. and But the huge difference in the past is that we both are able to own our stuff and have the self-responsibility and also the knowledge to apply what we talk about in terms of our inner process, to use the tools we have learned through our own individual journey. And then if we then transmute the emotions come up, which most often is actually nothing in the present moment between us, but related from the past wounding or other projections we have, and we're able to own it and work through it. After that, the healing, it's, uh, you know, experience it each time in that process after the process it really brings us even closer together the the bond is strong and the love is deeper right it's it's like i talk about this as well from the esoteric perspective the awakening process if is an ascent and descent at the same time as carl Jung said a, a tree that grows to uh, that reaches heaven has to have its roots in hell or sri Aurobindo said whoever wants to reach heaven wants to walk through hell and that's the individual process but even relationships, sometimes it's it's both the higher one unite on a high level of being, the deeper we need to dive into our shadows and a conscious relationship where both partners are on the same page and able and are sincere. That's that's the the main, the very most important uh, word: sincere in their own process with self responsibility. Then a relationship can be used as an alchemical vessel, as a catalyst, right? What they're talking uh, esoteric Christianity based on Moravia's work and, and, and Gnosis, the fifth way, the work of of esoteric work and spiritual work with a polar couple between two people that are ripe for the work uh, to be of service in the world, but also use the relationship as a catalyst for their own process. Yeah, and I think that also just reminds me too that I feel one of the fundamental gifts that both of us have is that we're able to be with our own dark emotions and process them. And the more that you're able to do that individually, the more that you can also hold space for the other person. Cause, and it actually is so much harder too in relationship when you, um, difficult emotions come up and you, and you're experiencing the other person going through it, or it's you going through it. Um, because, not only do you have to bring up the skill to hold space for another person when they're going through these darker emotions, but then you also have to hold space for the fact that often these emotions involve you and are maybe projected at you. So it brings it a whole new level of difficulty. Like I think it's one thing I know in my own like coaching practice, it's easy for me to hold space for other people going through feelings in that context because like, you know, there's a there's a, there's a different relationship, but then when you're in a partnership with someone, a romantic partnership especially, you also have to be able to hold space for your triggers while they're coming up and the other person's while they're coming up. So this is dual process as well. And I know that the difference between that and I guess you could call more karmic relationships is either um, both, either both people weren't able, weren't emotionally mature enough to hold space for more difficult emotions in themselves or other people, or one person was doing all the work and the other person wasn't able to, um, or the other way around. So I think that's one of the more fundamental, uh, aspects of just being able to be in a conscious relationship is the, that, because emo emotions are going to come up in your daily life. Like it's not the spiritual goal, I feel, to be completely emotionless and free of your emotions it's really about how you handle them and yourselves and other people and even looking back though like I think maybe just there's you know like 
there's also a teaching function to all the kind of relationships I I've got into before we met. I realized that they all were teaching or, or at least trying to teach me a deeper lesson about myself. And not only that, it's like all these qualities. It's almost like you're you hold all these qualities like you're like a combination of all like the best qualities that I was looking for in those relationships, if that makes sense. So like not only was it showing me darkness and things that needed to be healed in myself but through these more karmic relationships it was also showing me what I valued and it was building my it was building the relationship that was right for me you know I think we all have a knowing of the kind of person that we're meant to be with although I don't think we can quite articulate it but I think we can actually start giving it form too in our own minds and be like you know like this is this is the kind of person I would really like to be with this is really what's important to me this is what I value in life and and we can only form that sometimes through these difficult relationships. It's like that quote, it's like in order to know what you want, sometimes you have to find out what you don't want. So these more karmic relationships are almost have a, have a teaching function. I think the reason why, why people refer to them as karmic relationships is like you have these soul contracts with people who come in to teach you a certain lesson. And sometimes lessons aren't even bad. Sometimes they can be positive. Like I know I especially, you know, a few before I started meeting you, I started realizing that I could have like pe conscious people who loved me and who weren't just self-destructive and who weren't just like, I guess, energy vampires or narcissists. I could have these healthy connections with people. And that was also a really part point, uh, important point of like working through this karma is like my own beliefs about how relationships were based on my own past experiences. So I think that that's when you know I feel you're also getting close to being truly ready for a relationship is when you start to see that you can, you know, you start to even experience these platonic love relationships with people and you're like, wow, like there's another possibility out there. Because I think especially in the mainstream media, I listen to like, you know, just pop music. It's like a lot of the relationship song lyrics are all built on like drama and being hurt. And it's like they're painting this image of love, which is like dramatic and chaotic all the time and like makes you suffer. And I think that that's also a program in itself. And like a lot of people, I feel, actually haven't really truly experienced love. And that's really sad. But it's also because, you know, they've also it's, it's, it's also, as we said before, it's a state of being. And until you're able to experience that, I think, on your own or experience love in your life for no reason, it's like you're absolutely not going to also find it another person because you're not matching that frequency yeah and what you mentioned very important as well you know i wrote an art, art, article about the dangers of trying to manifest a lot of relationships relating to occult force interference which we go into a bit later but it's fine and it's actually important putting out intentions of what you intend in a relationship and give it up to the universe because you know with also holding the mirror on against uh, on yourself because whatever you intend to want to have in a person do you have these qualities yourself you know and i need to you know admit to myself like i mentioned early on in the past i you know had all these you know wishes and hopes and even intentions to be in this kind of relationship with this kind of woman um but i have to admit back then i was also overestimating myself i was actually not emotionally mature especially as a man as I thought I was, and have the appropriate emotional intelligence, right? I was, you know, um, actually not sincere of myself. I was deluding myself. I was lying to myself, right? So um, now looking at me now, I feel like I'm on a much more mature level to be able to engage in that kind of relationship, 
right? That I always envisioned, but it was also, it included to get in touch with my dark side, with the shadow side. And the, the less you're comfortable with your own dark side, with your own uncomfortable emotions, the less you'll be comfortable when that uh, comes up in a, in a relationship, when it gets triggered, the less you'll be able to be empathetic and hold space as well. You know, the less you have, you know, it also requires having self compassion, compassion for the self and empathy for the self to dive that deep. I mean, I know in our process, we sometimes go extremely deep. Um, but it's also very vulnerable, you know, even stuff came up between us here and there. And I started crying out of nowhere, which was an amazing release. Sometimes stuff from the past came up from my childhood, even residue from PTSD from past relationships. But it, you also provided a nurturing container, you know, I feel very safe in your, um, when I'm with you and, and this stuff comes up in terms of you being able to hold space. And there's again, this X factor, this emotional security that I experienced that I've never experienced before that allows me to go deep into these uncomfortable spaces without being shamed or blamed, right? And um, sometimes very painful and triggers comes up again in projections as well, but again, we're able to own it. And that, you know, the deeper we dive sometimes, uh, down below, the higher we'll be able to rise, you know, and brings, as I said before, uh, the level of love to really a higher level. And yeah, you just reminded me too, like when I, the deeper I got, the more I realized there's really some very common core wounds that we all suffer from. And for me, I know these, everybody has a different way of uh, approaching these and wording these, but for me, it was abandonment and separation, and it was also unworthiness. So those were the three things I really had to work on as three overarching themes. And the abandonment one, I realized that was actually the hardest one for me to overcome because I think that it also, the, essentially, it comes from feeling like we're, we've been abandoned by God. Like, especially in our, like, wor in my worst moments, I know, looking back, I felt that, like, oh, my God, like, d God doesn't exist. Even though I didn't, like, like consciously believe in God, uh, like, back then, um, uh, there was, I still believe that things were always gonna, you know, work out for the better. And when things got really, really bad, I felt truly abandoned in that sense. And then it, in order to heal that wound in myself, I had to really strengthen my connection to the divine to the point where even if things are really bad in our relationship, like not just, I mean, they do get really dark sometimes. I also, I always know that there's like this higher, like love watching over it. And this is necessary. And, and I feel held by that. And even though it's still extremely painful sometimes when stuff comes up and like, it's just these deeper feelings need to be transmuted. It's being able to know, even though I may not be consciously in that state, that there is some higher, that there is some higher love watching over it and it's going to be okay. And it's not, you know, that I'm like trying to like self-soothe myself or to avoid the feeling, the pain that comes up, but to just to know that this is like, this is okay. And this is a necessary part of the process. And also that feeling of unworthiness. I think we all like have our insecurities. I think that is normal, even in, in our relationship, we all have our ins insecurities come up. Um, and that's a whole other topic on its own, because I think a lot of our insecurities are just based on trying to protect our false sense of self. 
Um, so that's, that brings into like just vulnerability, but it's also just knowing that, you know, like no matter like how you look or how much money you make, all these like matrix kind of programs they try and shove on you. And this is also like how we're socially conditioned through the media to think that we're not enough. Be like, you know what? Like if this person isn't right for me, then that doesn't mean anything about me. It's just that it's not right for me. You know, like you can also use the lessons that come up in your insecurities to learn how you might need to kind of develop yourself more or accept yourself more whatever however it is but just to have an essential sense of being like you know like as simple as it sounds like I am enough like if somebody if somebody rejects me or the worst thing in my life happens like it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't diminish me at all like you always have this sense of like inner self-worth and then also the idea of like separation as well I think for me too I really wanted to be isolated in my journey I wanted to be left alone um, and then I realized I was like, wow, like I can, you know, I can build this safe container in my own self work and feel really good about myself and get to these extreme, I guess, like peak spiritual experiences. But it, it literally doesn't mean anything for the world if I'm not sharing that with people and learning how to share that with people and developing that sense of trust. And instead of trying to live in my own individual world and do my own thing, I really need to be able to practice this with other people in order for it to be meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. What you mentioned before when, you know, stuff comes up, it sometimes feels very intense. I'm like, oh my God, this is really necessary. But going through this whole process and transmuting it and healing it, you know, after it feels like that wasn't necessary, that was almost like a divine intervention in terms of like tough grace. You know, I feel the divine works in mysterious ways and not only bringing love and, and bliss and amazing positive synchronicities, but sometimes it's like the sword of truth. It cuts down which is untruth. It, it shines a merciless light onto the lower nature or wounds and conditioning and programming in purpose in order to confront it, resolve it, transmute it, heal it, right? To connect more to our true selves, to connect to each other on a more embodied soul level. Right? That became for me very, very apparent in, in more ways than I was would be able to do on my own. Right? Now, this whole process, you know, can also be augmented or intensified by occult force interference, which is a whole topic on its own, which you and I definitely have experienced. You know, and anyone familiar with this topic, I, I write about a lot, a lot of that on my website, which ties into the hyperdimensional matrix. And we'll soon have actually a top uh, a podcast coming up episode just on that topic um but they these entities and beings and forces can you know interfere with relationships of people who are truly meant to be together on a soul level divine level um but are being uh you know um held apart or through unconscious you know thought injections emotional manipulation from unseen realms a relationship can be uh, severed and even disrupted or broken up that way. You know, that's the the other side of that coin is the so-called love by dark side relationship, which are hyperdimensionally orchestrated counterfeit twin flame relationships, so to speak, which are not based on true love. So again, before, you know, I think we will get into that topic more in depth, definitely in the second hour of of this episode. Um, but my point is really that there's, there's so much coming into the equation of, of, of a relationship, right? Beyond basic uh, relationship psychology, which I feel is a very important foundation, understanding childhood wounding, our relationship to our parents, 
and it's affecting our current relationships and all of that, the inner child, then to basic karmic lessons, past life, which is also yeah, plays a role, which also can be used, you know, to rationalize things. So it's tricky not to fall into spiritual bypassing. And, um, you know, deeper soul lessons uh, and our own level of being and our own intentions in life. What I mean, there's one uh, exercise I do with my clients and sometimes at retreats is the question I ask, what is your true intention in life? What do you really want out of life, right? And I feel to be able in a true compatible relationship, both people must be on the same page, collinear with the same intention, which doesn't mean to do the same things, but, you know, is your intention on, you know, just having a, you know, joyful, like a happy life in the matrix terms, or do you truly want to wake up and be of service, for example? Do you really want to know and seek truth, right? There's a great thing Ajashanti said when he talked about how a lot of people talk about awakening, they want to be awake, but he, you know, I'm paraphrasing them, but he said most people who talk about awakening all actually only want to be happy in their dream state, but don't really know what it implies to truly awake to your true being, which is entails the process of disillusionment, right? And which we need to go through individually and and, some, and also, you know, experience these these catalytic um, moments uh, in relationship that can bring up a lot. Yeah, that also just reminds me of my own journey with my meditation practice and how it relates to also relationships at first. In similar ways that people use their relationships, I was using my meditation to escape the world and to and to also strengthen my false sense of self and just use it to prop up my own ego, basically. And in order to go deeper in my practice, and I also realize this also relates to relationships because I think relationships are a spiritual practice, I had to be willing to to be, to face what comes up. And it's funny because it's like, you know, like I think everybody wants to get like blissed out and feel all this love all the time. But in order to do that, you also have to clear out everything in the way. And that's and, and the things that we tend to hold on to the most emotionally are the things we need to let go of. And those are not easy to let go of. So my meditation practice, if I really wanted to deepen it, I also had to use it to confront these aspects of myself that I was avoiding and these habits that weren't serving me. And the same goes in relationship is that I need to be willing to be confronted and it's de it's a it's a painful process to like our ego. It's never going to be comfortable because it's like our, we can build up this kind of comfortable sense of who we are and this illusion around who we are. And that can be completely shattered once we have an insight in our meditation practice or once our partner gives us some feedback on something that it could help for us to improve upon. It's like the, our idea of who we are is completely shattered in that moment. And then and realizing that, it's like we realize our true essence, which I feel is a lot more indefinable. So I think I think until until you really expect stop like I think it's Eckhart Tolle is like your relationships aren't make here to make you happy. They're here to make you conscious is a really good way of kind of summing it up is that like, yes, of course, you make me like incredibly happy all the time. But also, there's been uncomfortable moments where I, I'm really faced these aspects of myself that I needed to face. And it was really difficult to go through. And then once you're able to and it's and it's also so incredibly healing too when you're able to face that with another person. And I think one of the main components is is not depending on them to like fix you or save you from that issue and you being able to also both go through it together yeah i think a very important aspect which was 
big for us or big for myself, big for both of us and the big realization was the importance of true 100% commitment, right? Because I see this in many, I see this in many others. And again, myself included in the past that sometimes we're not truly, we committed even like we are kind of like into a person and want to be with her or him. But even in the back of the mind, hmm, maybe there's somebody else around, maybe having one foot uh, in the door, one foot out, you know, and it can even be an unconscious pattern in, in many ways. But that has um, devastating um, consequences in the long term, on an energetic level, on a metaphysical level, right? It's so important to have this 100% commitment no matter what may come. And that includes, again, what you mentioned before, to have trust and faith, Right, one hundred percent commitment doesn't mean that you like promise to be with this person until you die. You know, you just commit to the process, whatever may come, and then you, if you dive in with a hundred percent, you know, of 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 this committed presence, then you also find out if this a truly a relationship that's truly aligned with who you truly are. If it's truly, uh, um, you know, uh, an evolutionary relationship, as as I would like to call it in a positive sense or something that can actually turns very extremely toxic and uh, needs to be uh, separated. But, you know, you don't truly find out and heal unless there's this hundred percent commitment, this truly giving yourself into it, which doesn't imply to lose yourself in a relationship. It doesn't mean to do everything for the other people. It's still required that you, like we talked about before, still have your sense of self, your own alignment, connection to the divine, to your true self, to your purpose. You know, it's not about changing yourself for the other person to, uh, you know, uh, um, trying to, you know, win the other person over. There needs to be also an effortless flow at the same time, which I feel is sometimes important to, which a lot of people forget, especially people who are sincere in, in their own process. You know, they sometimes believe that every relationship needs to be worked on contest constantly, but that can be a trap in itself, right? The constant work, it's sometimes nasty stuff comes up, but if there's not like a, for the majority, like also an effortless, effortless, effortless flow and, and an, you know, unspoken connection and, you know, on a, on a level that is even hard to put into words, then that, you know, the relationship can get, go only so far. But again, it is about this, this commitment of truly, it's either like some, you know, I forgot the author. Mark Manson. Mark Hansen, exactly. He said it's a fuck yes or a fuck no. See, the psychic thing I knew. What you were exactly. There you go. Damn it. I can't hide from her. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I actually don't think I ever really fully committed to it, even though I was in relationships and I agreed and we called each other boyfriend and girlfriend. I don't think I ever truly committed to a relationship before before I met you because I didn't even know how. And I, and I, and I also think I knew on a deeper soul level that like, this wasn't, I wasn't ready or this wasn't going to work out too. And I think even if you're, I think that's also important what you said. It's like, even if you don't think you're going to be with this person forever, at least commit to the relationship in the sense that you're willing to see what it has to show you in that sense. Mm -hmm. And if you're kind of like, you can waste a lot of time just being wishy-washy about things in your life in general as well. Like if you're just kind of like, ah, maybe, but I'm just going to try it out. Like I think for me too, like there came a point in my own like life purpose where I was like, okay, like, I feel my gift is writing, I don't know how that's going to turn out. But I really have to commit myself to this instead of being like, Oh, you know, like, I, I'm going to focus on this and just do this on the side. It was really and it's not that I need to, you know, I obviously don't make my whole income from writing, not at all. But it's about making that commitment to my own purpose as well. And that actually was what it made it able for me to give the commitment to 
to our relationship. And then, uh, yeah, what you also said about um, this, like, you know, the compatibility, I know that even when we fight, like, sometimes I just don't even want to look at you because that emotional connection will come through. And that will and I, and it's like when you're fighting, you're this like intense feeling of separation, like you just, you're not willing to feel that. And I think that that's the basic thread. And every relationship too, I feel has its gift. And with you and I, that's our gift is this deep emotional compatibility. But what I realize is no matter what happens in the stuff we go through, nothing can rupture that because that's really what's real. And then through all these things that come up, we really kind of weed, like we separate the wheat from the the chafe, the chaff. How do you say it? Yes. Yeah, and and then you find out what's really real in your relationship, and and whatever, and 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 this is the thing. I think you also, as as your own kind of spiritual practice, it tears away all the layers of yourself that all the layers of yourself that aren't true in a relationship. It's going to re- uh, reveal all the parts of yourself that isn't true, and losing things and losing parts of yourself in your spiritual journey and in your relationship is actually a very good sign. As much as we might want to let go of like these ideas we have on ourselves and how good they make us feel, it's really losing those parts of ourselves that brings, brings us back to who we truly are and our true essences. Yeah, exactly. So we are nearing the end of the hour of this podcast. And, you know, these podcasts will have uh, episodes in the future will be actually two hour podcasts and the first hour is for free. You can listen to it on iTunes, load it up on YouTube and other platforms. So make sure to subscribe there as well. But the second hour, we go deeper into some of the topics we talked about here. And the second episode is only available for members. And you can sign up to the membership at my website, veilofreality.com. The, um, besides the second half of the podcast there's also a member forum where people can share and talk about these topics a private forum away from the public away from any social media outlets um and in the second hour we'll be going deeper so as i mentioned before in occult forces hyperdimensional interference in relationships we also talk more about our own experiences with regards to that we touch upon we'll also touch upon the topic of twin flames and how that term has gotten distorted in a new age nowadays and we also like, it would be great to talk a little bit about astrology as well and relationship because I know you're an amazing astrologer and we know that have both used the benefits of it for get deeper insight, but also the limitations of it, but it can still provide some good insights in relationship. And then we're also going to talk about a little bit about the love bite, dark side of Cupid relationship and the dangers of manifesting a relationship and also going on to basic psychology in terms of wound and trauma bonding and the the dance between the narcissist and the empath. So yeah, that will be in the second hour. So thank you for listening to this first episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast and um, hope you tune in to the second hour. Mm-hmm.